Welcome to Reflect the Life You Want, where we talk about not only how to survive, but to thrive. I'm your host, Tim Howard, man school strategist, former Army officer, successful Homes for Heroes real estate agent. This show will focus on living a life of greatness, of wholeness and completeness. This show will be talking about our dreams, our goals, and how to go about creating them. So join me to learn how to reflect and design the life you want to live. Well, hello, this is Tim Howard, the host of Reflect the Life You Want, and I'm delighted today to have as a very special guest, Megan Kopka of Kopka Financial. So welcome to the show, Megan. Tim, thanks so much for having me. Very excited to be here having this conversation. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, I was thinking back to like when we first met, and we were trying to figure it out, but it, somewhere along the way, either through a networking uh, event or some social event, it's probably been four or five years ago. So I first became aware of what you do professionally, but a little bit of your personal history as well. So That's right. Yes. And we uh, created another meeting, another networking meeting from then, and it happened to be on Valentine's it was. Day. <laughs> That's right. We had a one-on-one. Yeah, that was cool. That was really cool. That was special. So thank you for bringing me a Valentine's I Day card. I brought you a Valentine's Day card that day, yeah. Well, one of the things that um, I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about, you're a widow, and you went through quite a journey with that with your husband, Keith, and that's a beautiful story. I'm sure we'll get into some of that, but so you, you're a financial planner. Your background, I think, was a school teacher maybe originally, so maybe you give us some context for our listeners, a little bit of your personal history and professional history. Sure. I'd love to. I'm a mom. Yeah. I married a chef. So you can imagine what those hours are like. Yeah. I value motherhood as one of the top-notch roles that I play. Mm -hmm. And when I started in into thinking about a career, I had to balance my husband working nights and weekends and holidays mm -hmm. with the kids' schedule. Mm -hmm. And so my degree is in economics, but what mm -hmm. came to mind was, well... That's my undergraduate, too. I can teach math. So <laughs> I was living in Massachusetts at the time, and they opened the doors to business people for the maths and sciences, mm -hmm. which was a really well-thought-out program that they have. I actually co-taught with a science teacher who was a biologist. We had killer labs together that we kind of coordinated. It was great. It was a lot of fun. So I went into teaching for a short period of time, and then... When I moved down here, my advisor came in, and I had AXA advisors up in Massachusetts. Same guys were down here. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him like, how do I do what you do? Yeah. And so the rest is history. I uh, worked there, and then uh, a couple years at Merrill Lynch, and a small financial planning firm, and then another small solo shop for a trust advisor before I finally spun out on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I remember when you were getting, like, that business established as Kafka Financial just a few years ago. Yes. Yeah, that was a very exciting for you, I remember. Oh, yep. It's a, when I got my job at Merrill Lynch, my dad said, yeah, get your education at the big companies and then go out on your own. And mm -hmm. I thought, whoa, that sounded way too scary. <laughs> and then, you know, well, father knows best sometimes, so there you go. Well, I've kind of followed a similar uh, path in the real estate industry, was with the leading firm in this market, and then uh, Matthew Kane, who you've met, my partner here at Title Realty Partners. We ventured off, and we're off on a great new adventure. Good. So. Congratulations. Yeah. I, know it, I know how that feels. Yes, <laughs> it's exciting. How that feels. 
Well, another part of I think that's very important to who you are is your personal history and uh, what you went through with your husband, Keith. And if you just share a little bit about that, because I think it's central to who you are, how you serve, especially how you serve other women and how you serve widows. Sure, yeah. So, you know, the average happy American family, two kids, two cars, you know, two careers. And my late husband was diagnosed with ALS, Mm -hmm. which he did not have the familia form. He had what's called sporadic ALS, thank Mm -hmm. goodness, Mm because that means it's not genetic. Mm -hmm. And it came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. So we started on an ALS journey, and just to let you know, which was a catalyst and pivot in my career, about 10 months before his diagnosis, his global company dropped disability insurance. Mm. So as a financial planner, Mm. you know, as someone who was working in the industry, I went to the Merrill Lynch insurance portal and looked at how much his disability insurance was going to be. And it went from like $23 a paycheck to it would have been like $147 a month. And I was like, that's too expensive. Mm. And here we are 10 months later. And it really just, when you're young, you need insurances to protect your greatest assets, right? Right. You you wouldn't sell homes to people that have mortgages without homeowner's insurance. But even when people are done paying their mortgage, when you're not forced to have homeowner's insurance anymore, they still have it, Mm -hmm. right? It's your greatest asset. You need to protect that. Mm -hmm. Your greatest asset when you're young is the ability to earn income. It is you, right? That's why we invest in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge mistake. And I had to, you know live and die by the sword, so to speak, Mm. through that one. So um, we were very fortunate. I learned a lot about financial planning, Mm -hmm. a lot during Mm -hmm. that journey. But mostly, like, the best part about it, it's like Keith and I, again, average life. We had a good marriage, Mm -hmm. sometimes just okay. You know, Mm -hmm. like, it was real. But when he was diagnosed, we learned how to live a legacy. Mm. And I'm going to plug this one nonprofit. We went to... A retreat. It was called a legacy retreat mm-hmm. put on by Inheritance of Hope. So if anyone is listening that has young family mm-hmm. with children still in the home and a parent with a terminal illness, you're eligible for this great weekend. Mm. And they take you on memory-making vacation, and you break out into caregiving groups and patient groups, and we broke out as all parents together with kids in our age group. Mm-hmm. And you don't see that a lot here. You can imagine when I would go to the caregiving groups, mm-hmm. who, what, you know, what are the demographics of the people that I'm sitting with? Well, first of all, they're almost all women. Yeah. And they're all sometimes twice my age at least mm. at that time. Mm-hmm. So I was 35 when I became a caregiver. Mm. And um, it's not like, you know, Keith, Keith's life expectancy for ALS was three to five years. Mm-hmm. And we're living life hard. We've got two teenagers at home, a dog, mm-hmm. and, you know, the careers and balancing a whole very full life already without the medical condition and terminal illness. Mm-hmm. So then you're taking time off work to go up to Duke. And all of the minutia is still there. Mm-hmm. So you're upset. You have your emotions to deal with. You have everybody else's emotions to deal with. So as a mother, it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. When Keith got his diagnosis, this is where I usually cried to him. Okay. When he was told that he had ALS, which they can only give you an 80% diagnosis, mm-hmm. the doctor asked if we had any questions, and we're both, like, stunned. Mm-hmm. 
And then the doctor goes to leave. And I'm like, wait, I could barely get my voice because Mm -hmm. I felt like I had just swallowed a bowling ball. Mm -hmm. Like it hit so hard. Mm -hmm. And I said, do you have any literature for children? Mm -hmm. All I could think of like was instantly, how am I going to go home and tell my Mm -hmm. kids? So, and we made it. But I don't want anyone to think like, you don't go home with a three to five year ter- terminal illness with a chaotic life to begin with and mm-hmm. just like, oh, I love you so much. I mean, life was real. Yeah. We were dealing with teenagers, mm-hmm. you know, and all the things that come with it, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. <laughs> <So> <laughs> the whole gamut. Well, I know you're very. no drugs. Yeah. <laughs> you're very proud of your son and I. Your, your son went through the Merchant Marine Academy, I think, right? Yeah. He went to the SUNY, SUNY Maritime College yeah. in New York, yeah. um, right by the the Rogs Neck Bridge. Uh, he has a grand career, lots of fun stories to share. Uh, most recently, traveling the world. Yeah, he is. He sure is. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been able to get off on port in the ports in the last uh, right. couple COVID. of pitches that he's had. Mm-hmm. But yep. And my daughter Jaden, she is a senior at UNC Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Scheduled on time graduation, knocking on wood, <laughs> you know. And I'm so excited. Yeah. I knew, like. Again, back to what I do, like from 2014 to 2022, I'm running a second household <laughs> called right. college, right? It's a whole bunch of money. Yeah. So, and yeah, I made my last college payment. I'm sure I have some graduation dues and fees, but I'm so excited about yeah. that and I'm so proud of them both. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, they weathered the storm and they yes. came out of it and they're doing great. They are doing really I well. I think that's a testimony to you, great mom providing that leadership to them. Thank you. Yes, yeah. I'm so proud of them. Mm-hmm. They have uh, faced adversity. And you still see it show up sometimes. I'll, I'll, I know my son's going to listen to this, but as a mom, one yeah. of the things that broke my heart recently, last year at this time, mm-hmm. I could tell you I had two grandmothers still living. Wow. One was 97 and the other was 90. Mm-hmm. And this year I have none. Mm. So in July, we attended my grandmother's funeral. We called her Gigi for great grandma. Mm-hmm. And Bruce was there, and I could see his jaw going. And so that just means he's angry. Mm. And he wasn't angry. It was just masking how sad he was. Right. And he kind of was looking up. He goes, Mom, I get it. Gigi, I'm going to miss her. But she was old. Mm. And I just grabbed him and hugged him. And I'm like, I hope we never go to a funeral as hard as your father's. Yeah. We never do that. Yeah. So that's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. But beautiful moment for you and your son as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Well, my daughter on that trip, too, was such a trooper. She just said yes to everything. Mm-hmm. I said, hey, you want to drive by grandma's house? And she had moved to a continuing care retirement community about 12 years before, but it was in our hometown. She said, yeah. And then I asked her, I go, will you get up on the rock and take a picture? We have a rock that we take a picture on that I have pictures of me as a toddler on. <laughs> my dad lived in that house. I think he, they moved in when he was three years old. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. It was a really great uh, trip down memory lane. I'm mm-hmm. glad I had that with them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting to me. That's probably a terrible way to des- describe it, but it, it never ceases to amaze me to observe them and the impact of death mm-hmm. and loss when they're going through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big impact. Yeah. Well, ahead of the show, I had shared with you, you know, the title of this podcast is Reflect the Life You Want, mm-hmm. which is the theme of the Mirror Book Project by me and my co-author, Maria Spears. You know Maria. Yes. 
from when she lived here in Wilmington. She is lovely, a ray of sunshine for sure. Absolutely. Um, she's facing some tough challenges with her parents right now. But you, you seem to resonate with two of the key chapters of the Reflect Acrostic. One was to recognize the power to change. So we're just talking about the change for you, for your son and daughter, and what Keith went through with ALS, and now the loss of your two grandparents. So I want to get into that a little bit. And then the other key element that you kind of struck a chord with you was around this concept of to love yourself and let others know you love them. And couple things that kind of touched my heart, so to speak, when you were talking about how, how you would want to think about that is one is this, when recognize the power to change is sometimes we need to ask for help. Yes. So we're going to talk about that. And then secondly, um, with the love aspect is that ability to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I just open it up for you to talk about why do those two things especially resonate with you and what would you want to share with our listeners? Sure. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit in, in um, recognizing change and help mm-hmm. through the lens of living with Keith mm-hmm. and also as a widow, the yeah. things that I've learned about resilience. Yeah. So um, when Keith was sick, he was slowly becoming a quadriplegic. For those who don't know what ALS is, my husband so eloquently described it to my daughter that he was going to slowly become a blob. Mm. And it came with a lot of equipment, and it was exhausting. And when people wanted to learn how to help, mm-hmm. it takes time, and it slows you down. Sometimes it's I'm a very impatient person. Like, I can just do it myself faster. <laughs> and you forget how much... When you're down and out, you really need the second hands. You need somebody else who understands how to do things. So embrace them. Mm-hmm. They get a little bit more key into your life, and their empathy will then turn to compassion, right? Mm. Empathy means I can understand where you are and how you feel. Right. Compassion means I can help you. Yeah. So you're helping other people, and you're empowering other people mm-hmm. to take a place in your life. Mm-hmm. We had friends, you know, with dying young that classically, you know, did not want to be around Keith, like like they were going to catch it or something or right. didn't have the emotional mm-hmm. wherewithal. And I talked to those people after he died. Mm-hmm. And Keith could talk till the day he died. So mm-hmm. That was their loss. He was hilarious. Yeah. Until he died, he was really funny. Yeah. And it's, it. I mean, he was truly an inspiration. Mm-hmm. I remember... We were asked to describe him in one word, and mine was inspiration. And my cousin comes running in. She goes, what are we talking about? And the minister, what would be one word you describe Keith? How to describe Keith? And mm-hmm. she said, grace. Mm. And I thought, yeah, wow. He would be laughing so hard right now. Like, <laughs> I'm graceful. Um, <laughs> but he was. He, he just... He was, I told him, I was like, hey, we're going to have to do drug trials. Are you on board with that? Like, are you good with being a hamster guinea pig kind of thing? Uh, and he's like, what? And I was like, well, you're a patient patient. Like, mm, you would do this really well. Mm, he was always, like, super laid back or hilarious, you know? Like, yeah. But he was my calm. And me, mm-hmm. I'm like the type A. Let's get stuff done. And I'm yeah. so impatient. And I think ALS taught me how to slow down. Slow down. I had yeah. to. You know, we literally were rolling up a air mattress that rotated them at night if we spent the night in the hotel. Mm. It slowed us down. It didn't stop us. Right. So that was like 
you know, the ability to change is having that courage to ask for help. Mm-hmm. We do not live in a little silo. We are in a community. Mm-hmm. And we had community members come in. Keith had three different old guys that would come in and, and mm-hmm. sit with him. And I recently went to one of their funerals. Mm-hmm. And it was painful, but also very uplifting. Yeah. And the other guy who used to come and pair with him, uh, asked, he's like, is Megan Kopka in the room? And I'm like, I'm back here, Rich. <laughs> so in the middle of his eulogy, he asked uh, if I was here. And then in terms of uh, and being an advocate for the Modern Widows Club, yeah. we talk about resilient science yeah. and also that ability to let people in, uh-huh. you know, but finding the right people, right? right. Certainly many, many widows have experienced this. You're three to four months after losing your spouse, your life partner, your best friend, the father mm-hmm. of your children. Mm-hmm. And people are like, you know, you really, it's really hard to be around you now. Like, mm. it's been long enough. I think it's time that you stop grieving. Mm. And that's not how it works. It's yeah. usually a three to four year long transition, not deep mourning. Deep mourning should not last that long. Mm-hmm. But that transition where you start seeing that spark in your life that you can really feel like a fulfilled woman again. Mm-hmm. You spend so much time when you're married concentrating on the couple. Right. And then when you're alone and your marriage ended and nobody wanted to leave it, mm-hmm. you're picking up the pieces and figuring out, well, who am I? Mm-hmm. Because you are not the same person. Yeah. You're not putting that couple ahead of time. You're not having to compromise. You also don't have anyone, like, I don't have my patient person anymore. Right, <laughs> to, <laughs> to balance you out. So. Yeah, well, that's a great segue into that. The love chapter is that the um, <coughs> you, you, you lost the love of your life. Mm-hmm. You've got to take care of yourself. Yeah. So you got to show some self-love, but you also got to continue to love your son and your daughter and all these other people that have come to pour love into Keith and support you guys. So I wonder what have you learned about that aspect of life that's most impactful for you now as you've transitioned, you've grown through some of that grieving and mourning you've been through for a while. It's a great question. Um, I did realize I struggled with the fear of abandonment Mm. to think about pulling people in close again. Mm. I think there's a lot of widows that would confirm that. Mm. Um, There's a little bit of fear of being so close to someone. Mm. However, once you start realizing, like the Holmes-Ray stress test took a comprehensive study, and losing your spouse is the most stressful event anyone will go through, and they Mm -hmm. gave it a 100-point score. Mm -hmm. Divorce is number two right? at 75 points. Mm-hmm. So I know widows hate to be compared to divorcees, right? <laughs> you know, like, we just don't like that. But when I look at it, I'm like, these are the two major life events that are super stressful, whether you want it out or not. Right. Your whole grocery list has changed. Your world has changed. Everything's mm-hmm. changed. Mm-hmm. And you do have to relearn who you are. And mm-hmm. I think that's what struck me about love is, how do I fall in love with myself again when I feel so empty? Mm. I have all this love to give, mm-hmm. but I'm also in this shell of protection because I've been so hurt. Right. And I think what ends up happening as you're developing over these three or four years, right? Mm-hmm. Like transitioning that takes a long time. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of power in, and knock on wood, that I have suffered. Mm-hmm. the worst hurt 
that a person can go through. Mm -hmm. And here I am. There you are. And I'm thriving. And there's part of that legacy of Keith. Like, I love talking about Keith. He was hilarious. He was so much fun. And and he's very much a part of my heart still today. Mm -hmm. I took a vow to love him until I died. Right. Until death do us part. Right. Well, he held up his end. Yeah. I still am holding up mine. Right. And I'll always love him. Yeah. And he's in my head. He's in my, you know, thoughts a Mm -hmm. lot. And, you know, sometimes it makes me cry. Sometimes it makes me smile. Mm Mm-hmm. It's still hard. It's not as hard as it used to be. Right. And the times of, of, I call them grief bursts. The times of grief bursts are usually longer today than they, than they are at first. Mm-hmm. But finding that alternate types of love as well. Mm-hmm. I love my children differently than I loved my husband, but yeah. it's all the same. Mm-hmm. You know, at the same time, it's such a contradiction to say, it's a different type of love, and it's still so fulfilling and so rewarding. So when mm-hmm. you're ready to come out of that shell, when you've done the work that you need to do, mm-hmm. there's so many people that still love you. Oh, absolutely. And that you can love. Um, I'm going to talk very briefly about my second grandmother. When I was little, she was the one you could climb all over. And this was, we called her Grandma Bear. So <laughs> if I still had two grandmothers alive at my this time. My mom goes by that nickname for her she? grandkids, Grandma Bear. Yay, that's so cool. Wow, yeah. well, we have that in common. <laughs> um, my my grandmother, uh, Grandma Bear, became Grandma Bear by my children, from mm-hmm. my kids. Um, yeah. And we started that because they had so many great-grandparents. Mm-hmm. Keith had grandparents still alive. I had grandparents still alive. So we mm-hmm. had to, you know, make sure that they had different names. Right. And um, that's where she came from. But she was she was a love. She just passed away, actually, mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Mm. And she was the grandma who... I would climb all over when I was a kid, and I just felt like you got so much more affection from grandma. And, you know, I was a perfect kid, and she's a perfect woman, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because that's how grandmothers work. Right. And I was very fortunate in that. She, when I was a teenager, I smoked cigarettes, and I tried to stay away from her, because I didn't want her to smell the cigarettes. (laughs) 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 And she would. She'd be like, please just stay healthy. I can tell you're smoking. You know, and I was just like, ah. You know, and then when I got older again, I lived up in Boston for six years. So every other month I would go see her. She mm-hmm. lived near Lake George. It was only three and a half hours away. So I'd try and see her every other month. Mm-hmm. And she's the one, she'd put her hands like around your neck mm-hmm. and talk to you for a really yeah. long period of time. And it wasn't until later that you start learning the um, psychology about what happens to our physio- physiological body and our mm-hmm. reactions when we're held. Oh, yeah. And my grandmother would have full-on conversations with you, pulling you in, making eye contact, pulling you in. It was like a dance with Grandma, Mm. and I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss that a lot. Yeah. And there's, so there's a... That's beautiful. Yeah, the thoughts of affection. You can get affection from other people Mm -hmm. that, you Mm -hmm. know, are very much and have always been supportive and loving of you. Mm -hmm. And we find that in our community, too. Yeah. So you showed me so much love by bringing me a Valentine's <laughs> card. Yeah. You thought enough to try and imagine what it was like to be widowed on a Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. And it was so thoughtful yeah. and so appreciated. Well, you're welcome. So thank you. Yeah. Glad it touched your heart. It did. Very much so. Well, you've been through a lot. I have. In recent years. And, um, you know, ahead of the show, we talked about you know, again, going back to the reflect a life you want, if there's like one thing that you're mm-hmm. especially working on for yourself right now, Megan, as a woman, 
to reflect more the life that you want to live, what would that one thing be? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so big one um, that I'm working on right now is trusting intuition. Okay. Right? I really love people. I love our community. Mm-hmm. And yet sometimes we have relationships that hurt us, mm. right? So realizing that I can trust myself again. Mm-hmm. There's a time in widowhood where people kind of just, they, they help you along. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I just followed my calendar because if, if showing up is half the battle, then I'm going to do half the battle. Right. Right. And people want to help you and they'll help you along the way. And it's mm-hmm. when you start becoming that free thinking person again, I still had this hesitation. This is so strange. I mean, if my parents were sitting here, they're like, what? <laughs> I am a strong, confident woman. Right, <laughs> you know? right. I am successful. I am a lot of things. Yeah. When you are widowed, your confidence is gone. Mm-hmm. There is a loss of identity. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like I was having an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. Confidence doesn't com- accompany an identity com- mm-hmm. com- uh, complex. So... Learning to trust myself again has mm-hmm. been a, a long journey. Mm-hmm. And then liking who you see. Mm. So sometimes I don't like how I show up, and that's mm-hmm. when I go back and apologize, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. hey, I was really off that day, and I'm mm-hmm. so sorry if anything I said hurt you. Mm-hmm. And I can say that from the heart. Mm-hmm. It's not hard. It's not painful for me to reflect on what matters most to me, which is showing up as a strong, loving woman in the world. Mm-hmm. But know? also being able to show that grace. Yeah. yeah. Even for myself, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I'm not perfect. I'm yeah. human. I mess up my words a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we hurt people and, and mm-hmm. sometimes they hurt us. So I'm really working on trusting my intuition. Um, and I've been working with a therapist for six years. And it's funny, I think if I were to tell anyone, like, what could they glean from trusting your intuition? Mm-hmm. One of the greatest supports that I have is uh, since Keith passed away, well, about a year after he passed away. I wish mm-hmm. I had started meeting with a therapist sooner. It was mm-hmm. about a year after he died. I started meeting with a therapist, and I still meet with him once every two weeks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if someone, well, what are you working on? Like, you know, do you think of therapy as a short period of time? I'm like, no, I don't think about going to the gym as a short period of time. Mm-hmm. So if my physical health is super important to me, my mental health is yeah. equally as important to me. Yeah, the mental and the emotional. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're making that investment in yourself, continue to grow and heal. Absolutely. So you, you've been through a lot. Um, and you've, you've done a lot professionally, you've been through a lot personally, and then the way you're serving and helping other people now, very impactful. So I'm, I'm imagining there's, there's a lot of things you've learned, but if you could glean it down to one key thing that either you would share with your former self that you wish you knew when you were younger, or you could impart to someone else that you might encounter now, what would that one thing be that you encourage others to be to reflect more the life that they want? I'm going to bring up a topic that most people probably don't say in here, mm-hmm. and I hope I don't shock you in a bad way. This <laughs> needs to be good. Okay. The truth about money. Truth about money. Okay. Money is not dirty. Mm-hmm. Money is not evil. Mm-hmm. Money's a resource. Yeah. And I think we have a real from you know, people I work with, mm-hmm. we have a real head game going on about 
I can't afford to do this. There's nothing that pains me more, especially hearing a woman say, I can't afford to. Mm. Whether it's, you know, I went to Cats last night, a Cats ticket, whether it's an ice cream cone, you know, mm-hmm. it, it runs the gamut. Like, no, I can't afford a super lo- yacht legitimately yeah. yet. But if I wanted to and I put that on my goal list, I bet I'd get there. Yeah, because, put your mind to it. Right. There's a little bit of reality that has to come into your goals, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if there's something in this world that you really want, mm-hmm. you know, I think that you, if you spend some time really understanding your money values, mm-hmm. your money goals, and also your history, how you grew up. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have, my, my maiden name is Fogel, and it's the Frugal Fogels, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it is, it's a value I have to yeah. be very frugal. Mm-hmm. Um, not cheap. I still splurge on the things that I really want to splurge on, and I wasn't always like this. Mm-hmm. I was more of a saver mm-hmm. looking towards the future, mm-hmm. and Keith's disease changed that. Yeah, We had to live for today mm-hmm. and plan for the future. Right. So when we went into illness, I felt very fortunate. Mm-hmm. I, c- I, I say this all the time. I could speak money. I knew what types of accounts we had and what we could tap into and have access. I'm great at budgeting and all those other things. Because, mm-hmm. of course, I should be. Mm-hmm. I didn't speak medicineese. So mm-hmm. that was my world of red tape to try and navigate and figure out. Mm-hmm. And so I would tell people in the caregiving role, too, there's something called the geriatric care manager. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be geriatric. I mean, there's services that are, can be extraordinarily helpful. And then also writing a financial plan when you're caregiving. Mm-hmm. Writing a financial plan, I'm always like, 20 years ago was the best time, or now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but assessing those things. And so I think there's a lot, of, um, a lot of smoke and mirrors, especially in my industry about money. I mm-hmm. like to sit there and look at it like math. Mm-hmm. You, you have a cash flow problem if you don't know how to add or subtract like a Mm six-year-old, you're going to have a cash flow problem. Mm -hmm. But you're making decisions to put yourself into debt. Where does that come from? Mm. That's not six-year-old math. Right. That's choices. Choices and mindset. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, certainly um, you have the expertise to uh, help people do financial planning, also help people having been through this experience that you've been through with severe loss, and then you do the work with the widows. Um, if people want to reach out to you to learn more about, Megan, what, what experiences you have, what um, maybe encouragement you might have for someone who potentially is experiencing or going through something like you've been through or want to learn more about where there's support for widows, or just want to learn more about financial planning and take advantage of your services with Kafka Financial, what are some of the best ways to reach out and connect with you? I'm a talker, so call me. Call me. (laughs) (laughs) I have a website, kafkafinancial.com. And Kafka is with Ks. It's K-O-P-K-A. Yeah. And do you have like LinkedIn profile? I do. LinkedIn. Any I'm other social Facebook. media? Okay. Yep. The the widows um, organization here locally. What remind me what that's named? The Modern Widows Club, and we mm-hmm. are the Cape Fear community. Modern. Modern Widows Club is a national organization mm-hmm. that started in 2011 with a woman named Carolyn Moore out of her own house. Right. And it has grown to. 
I think we're in almost 40 states at this yeah. point. When we started, I think it was 28. So there's a Facebook page for the Modern Widows there, Club. There is, Cape and Fear. that's you, you just email Cape Fear at modernwidowsclub.org. Okay. I ask for people to send their obituary um, over to me, mm-hmm. and if they didn't have one, then a death certificate. Mm-hmm. We're a vulnerable population. Mm-hmm. Um, I've sat on the Cape Fear Elder Abuse Protection ne- Network for a long time. There are things called Romeo scams, and mm-hmm. you know, you'll yeah. hear a lot yeah. of times some of the older widows say, "Yeah, he's looking for a nurse and a purse," and, <laughs> and it's strange because most, well, not most. I guess this is a global statistic, so take it a, with a grain of salt. That over fifty percent of widows are in poverty. Mm. It's um, it's a really tough transition. From a financial standpoint, someday I'll be lobbying in D.C. There you uh, go. We're making some changes with the IRS and hopefully Social Security. Awesome. On behalf of widows and orphans because we've been there. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful for you coming in and spending time with me as a guest of the show. Um, my hunch is there will people be listening to this that will want to reach out to you and connect with you. So we'll, we'll have all those different ways to reach out to you via the episode notes when this episode comes out in a few weeks. But it's just been an absolute delight to see you, have you as a guest of the show. And um, I always say to my guests, go out and live a life of greatness. You too, and you are. So <laughs> thank you again for having me, Tim. It's just been an absolute pleasure, and I'm so honored you thought of me. I loved listening to your other podcasts as well. Thank you. Thank you. All right.